0: Thanks for being with us. Jill Bennett sitting in for Simi Sarah. Well, is there a negative side to telling a young person you can do anything you want, follow your dreams, perhaps? And are we seeing the consequences of that? Well, Todd Hirsch is joining us right now on the line, former vice president and chief economist for ATB Financial, also the author of The Boiling Frog Dilemma, Saving Canada from Economic Decline. Todd, thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, pleasure to be here, Jill. Thank you.
0: Well, it's an interesting one because it sounds like there wouldn't be anything wrong with saying follow your dreams, do what makes you happy. But has this caused a bit of a labor crisis?
1: Well, I can't help but think so. And, you know, I want to make it clear, I'm all about telling kids to, you know, follow their dreams. But it has to be balanced with the sense of you might not be Beyonce. You might not be an NHL hockey star And I think sometimes, maybe in the last 30, 40 years, we've maybe erred too much on the side of encouraging kids to believe that they can do and be anything they want. And in fact, it just isn't true. And, you know, in some ways, these young people are the victims of being told that because then when they're being presented with real life choices and real opportunities that don't seem to match their dreams, you know, and then we wonder sometimes, why are we having a hard time filling, uh, especially skilled or uh, labor positions, uh, skilled trade positions? You know, nobody dreams of growing up to be an electrician. And that's why we're having a hard time.
0: <laughs> and so is it kind of losing that balance as well? And, and with new, relatively new jobs, uh, you could be a, a social influencer. You only have to work a few hours a week, kind of f- f- filling those or pushing those types of dreams.
1: Well, that's exactly it. And there was an interesting study that done uh, several years ago, and this was actually in the United Kingdom, but I'm sure Canada would be the same. It was a survey of children from the 1950s versus the early 2000s. In the 1950s, children wanted to be things like doctors and nurses and astronauts. And, you know, a lot of those things were sort of policemen and policewomen. These things were around public service. In the 2000s, it's things like a sports celebrity, a music celebrity, and a, today would be social media influencer, uh, things that are completely unattached to social services or serving the public. And that kind of shift has created some problems, I think, in, in trying to find skilled workers for a lot of the jobs.
0: Uh, is it because, too, there are so many more choices now and so many different types of jobs and professions that you could choose any number of career paths?
1: Well, that is part of it, but um, I think what we—the uh, bigger problem—is because of social media, because of our sort of obsession with celebrity culture, we've created this idea that being, you know, Canadian Idol or American Idol is a career choice, and it really isn't. Uh, I, in my piece on the Globe and Mail, I, I uh, kind of referenced the American Idol TV show, and a lot of your listeners will remember Simon Cowell and, and Paul Abdul. And part of the fun of the show was watching the tension between these two. And Paula would say something like, you know, you're amazing, never stop dreaming, shoot for the stars. And then Simon would say, well, you're probably amazing at some things, but you can't sing. You've embarrassed yourself. And, you know, he could have been a little kinder for sure, but at least he was truthful. So it always comes back for me that balance to encouraging young people to You know, believe in themselves, that they can achieve amazing things, but also the realism that what am I here on this earth for? Is it to be Beyonce? Is my passion singing? Can I find a way to live my passion, but still follow Opportunities?
0: Right. And has is it, is it become also that it's not, uh, or parents or caregivers aren't giving kids the, the truth about, sure, follow your dreams, be the next Beyonce, but maybe have a backup career just in case?
1: Yeah, the only problem with that is it makes it sound like, you know, the backup career, they failed at what they were trying to do. And I don't think it's, you know, if, if someone ends up being maybe a music teacher that's not a failed option. <laughs> In fact, a music teacher is a wonderful, uh, fulfilling uh, uh, option. And I just worry that, you know, this plan B idea, I get what you mean, but the plan B makes it sound like if you fail, this is what you fall back on because you're a failure. And I think that's the wrong way of approaching it. I don't think anyone who's a music teacher or an HVAC installer should think of themselves as a failure because these people are actually contributing to the world. They're actually contributing to other people's lives in a way that maybe Beyonce can't.
0: No, it's a—it's a, an interesting point. You mentioned as well, trades. And do you think it's also that we've not done a great job in, in putting that forward as, uh, you said, electrician or, or a job in construction? These are not fallback jobs. These are jobs that come no. with very, very good salaries.
1: Very good salaries. And again, I think we need to do a better job in not just the salaries, but Can you uh, choose a career path that is actually helping other people? And if you think about an electrician, how important is it that this electrician does her job or his job properly so, in fact, that people can have electricity and not burn the house down? You know, I think we need to think about these trade jobs as, yeah, they pay well, but they're also contributing to the well-being of our society. And if we think about it that way, then these jobs actually can become aspirational. That an NHL hockey star is not the only thing a young boy or girl would aspire to, but that they might aspire to, you know, a job in the trades because there is a, a social good. You're contributing to the benefit of other people. I think that's where we need to maybe focus.
0: So what needs to change then? Or have we lost this generation that grew up just being told,
1: well, follow your
0: dreams? <laughs> or what What happens now?
1: I don't know if we've lost them. And I want to make it clear, you know, in some ways, I'm part of that generation. Basically, anybody born after 1960, I think, in our affluent Canadian society, we were all sort of told this. So I'm part of the generation as well. And I really don't want to make it sound like young people are lazy or entitled, because the young people I meet are not lazy. They're just a little disillusioned, I think, because they were told they can be anything, When the reality is that their options are maybe a little bit closer to the ground. But I think what we need to do, I don't want to think about, you know, we've lost a generation. But I do think we need to maybe change the dialogue when we talk to our children, when we talk to young adults, even when we talk to sort of middle-aged adults. The question isn't, you know, what do you aspire to do or what is your passion? The question is follow opportunity and bring your passion with you. Passion is really important. But passion, we have to remember, is internal. And that means we can't follow it. We can bring it with us. Opportunity is external. That we can follow and we bring our passion with us. I think we just need to sort of flip the dialogue on that. It's not about leaving your passion behind. It's about bringing it with you. But following opportunity and encouraging people, What is, what, what, what can you do in this world to make the world a better place?
0: All right. Uh, Interesting, uh, interesting uh, take on that. Todd, thank you so much for joining the show today.
1: Thanks, Jill. It's been a pleasure.